welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hardunger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. I just had a little recording hiccup, so this is the second time I am recording the first half of this episode. So if it comes out sounding extra rehearsed and smooth, well, that is an added bonus for all of us. So today we are going to talk about a few questions that I received one planner that you probably haven't heard of that I wanted to draw your attention to. And then after our break, we are going to pivot to a mini review of the Full Focus Planner, a product that I know and love, but somehow have not yet reviewed on this podcast. So we are going to start with a question that came in via Instagram. This question came from a reader I'll call CKR, and she writes, I would love to sometime hear about your organizing systems for projects at work electronic, paper, notebooks, etc. Just a thought for your blog or podcast. Thanks for everything you share. Well, thank you so much, CKR. I truly appreciate the question. So I hate to disappoint you, but my answer is not all that exciting. Mostly I am electronic for my work projects. There's a little bit of paper that comes into play here and there, and I'll talk about when, But for the most part, I rely on our electronic medical record. That's where all of my patient notes and results go to. And I'm kind of tied to that because that's just how medicine works these days. And also that is our privacy compliance system. So I'm not sharing any patient information. And then for my GME and more management type work, I use a combination of Apple Notes to keep master lists as well as a folder in my email that I find incredibly useful, which is called waiting on or follow up. So basically I try to get to inbox zero every Friday in my work email. Every once in a while I'll be on call and things will just be too crazy and it doesn't happen. But in general, that's my aim. And so I will get to inbox zero, but I will also relegate things that I have to wait for, follow up, that I wanna add to bigger lists later to this one big folder that I call waiting on and follow up. It has about 40 emails in it currently. Sometimes it's a little bigger than that. Sometimes it's a little smaller. And I force myself to look at it pretty much every Friday when I'm doing that review of all my email. This forces me to look to see what projects are sort of ongoing. What am I waiting for other people to do? Do I need to nag anyone about various things? Is this something that I've pushed for that now I need to put on my to-do list? forces me not to lose the little things. And I found it really helpful and just an easy way to keep track of things without copying them to some other to-do list where I might lose them anyway. So yeah, this is basically what I use for work. My regular planner does come into play sometimes. So I do select from my you know to-do lists, I'll put on things for my monthly goals that pertain to work. And then from there, I will put things on my weekly goals list that pertain to work. And I do divide up my goals list. So on the left-hand side of my weekly spread in my planner, I have a list of things I wanna get done for the week. The top part of that list is for work items and the bottom of it, I usually label it life. Sometimes I divide it up further between life and blog slash pod, another little discrete portion of life. So yeah, that's kind of how some of my work tasks make their way, you know, across and into my to-do systems. So I hope that answers your question. I'm sorry if it's not the world's most fun answer to this question. I love the idea of having a neat little work binder or planner or a separate paperwork planner, but I haven't needed to do that I do sometimes um, have a, you know, a PPA notebook that I've used where I take notes at various meetings and I found that to be useful and kind of fun to have something nice and high quality to write notes in when I'm at meetings. 
All right. We are back with question number two, which comes in from a listener. This is an audio question, so we will go ahead and play it. Hi, Sarah. This is Laura calling from Maryland. I was inspired by your recent planner hopping and decided to also abandon my current 2021 planner. It was undated and had become quite cumbersome and just not fun anymore. So I now have a new dated planner for the upcoming academic year, and I'm thrilled. I'm particularly looking forward to the holidays and easing through that busy time without the burden of setting up a new planning system, but I'm stumped with what to do when it comes to yearly goals. Mine are listed in a 21 for 21 list, which I've copied into my new planner, and I will most likely review those and make a new 22 for 22 list. My question is, what tips or advice do you have for managing yearly goals or other lists that reset at the start of a new year when the new year doesn't correspond to the start of a new planner? I don't want to keep a separate goals notebook. I'll forget about them. And thanks for all your valuable advice and fun insights. What a great question. So first, I have to laugh out loud a little bit at the idea that setting up a planner system at the end of the year would be a burden during that busy season. And the reason I think that's funny is for me, I can think of almost nothing more fun. But I do acknowledge not everybody is as obsessed with playing with their planners as I might be. So to each their own, and I respect that. So I can see why you might not like switching in times of stress. I had a few ideas that might be fun to kind of set apart your goals for 2022. Number one, you could take a piece of paper, create a goals page for 2022, and actually tape it with washi tape over your current goals sheet for 2021 in a way that would allow you to reveal the old goals when you wanted to, but otherwise kind of have a representation of these new goals being put on top of your old goals. You could use some decorative washi to make it look pretty or, I don't know, some other kind of fastening like with stickers or something like that. You could also, of course, reserve an additional blank page to put your 2022 goals separate from your 2021 goals and just move on when it's time to change the year. You could also feature your goals a little differently, like perhaps instead of putting that your yearly list in a page in your planner, you might make a couple copies and put one up on your wall or a bulletin board so you see it frequently and maybe keep a smaller copy of one in the pocket of your planner or somewhere else a little less obtrusive. And then finally, I know this is not for everyone and it may not be for you, but some people really do enjoy having a separate goals planner for the year that might be separate from your regular planner. And that might be a way to get a nice fresh start in for the new year without having to have all of your calendared events be moved. Like for example, I love using the Cultivate What Matters system. Other people love the Moxie Life goal planning system. And I'm sure there are many other wonderful goals systems out there. So perhaps you're going to have your own separate kind of goal setting notebook or planner that would make it less important to have an up-to-date yearly goals list in your 2021-2022 planner. I hope one of those ideas resonates with you. I'll have to hear what you end up deciding, um, but thank you for that great question. The third item I wanted to bring up before we get to our mini review is that I received kind of a heads up about a different type of product from someone in the medical community, and this product is called the Manta Planner. Now, the Manta Planner is actually specifically designed to lead patients through cancer or other very complex medical illness treatment. 
She writes that uh, she designed it for patients, caregivers, and survivors who are on their journeys together, and that the Manta Planner would enable the individuals to track their symptoms and medications, have their doctor's notes in one place, emotionally check in with themselves, and make informed decisions. So I've never touched this planner in real life, but I just thought the idea was really touching and nice. And I even told the person who wrote me that perhaps they need to look into making a type 1 diabetes planner since that is a you know, long-term illness, all very different than the cancer journey, but that could potentially benefit from having a really organized place to keep track of everything. And so she said she might want to hear from me for some information. So maybe I'll help her design that. But for now, just something to check out, especially perhaps if you have a family member going through treatment that you think might benefit from this. It's the, again, mantaplanner.com. And last but not least, I have a little bit of a follow-up here. And that is for the listener that wrote in wanting a very large size planner with a lot of features. I gave some ideas, including plum paper and including some custom options. But this listener wanted uh, the person who wrote in to know about the Panda Planner. This is a planner that comes in a large size, has a number of features, and is available at multiple places, including, I believe, on Amazon. And so um, I did want to bring this up as another option that I didn't think of when this question came to light. So if you're looking for an A4 or letter size planner with lots and lots of goal setting and bells and whistles added to it, then you might want to check out the Panda Planner. This episode is brought to you by Honeypress. Do you love pens? All the stickers, pretty paper, Japanese stationery. I know you must love planners since you're listening to this podcast. If you answered yes to any or all of the above, then you need to check out Honeypress. Honeypress is an Asian woman-owned stationery and gift boutique based out of North Carolina. Honeypress curates a variety of items from cards to stickers to note cards to writing tools, primarily focused on sourcing from Black, Indigenous, people of color, and women-owned creatives. Right now, Honeypress is in the midst of the 2022 planner buying season, offering Japanese planners such as the Jibun Techo Diary, Jibun Techo Light, Jibun Techo Days, the Maruman Monthly, the Ihon Diary, and Drawing Diary. They also offer undated options such as the Anstudium Coiled Study Planner that I have loved and Amy Zhang's Grande Plans Weekly Planner. Listeners of Best Laid Plans can get 10% off their purchase with code BESTLAIDPLANS. So check out their website today at honeypress.nc.com. Again, that is H-O-N-E-Y-P-R-E-S-S dash N-C dot com. I can personally say I've ordered from Honeypress at least twice, and I will certainly be doing so again. They have such amazing stuff and great service, and the owner is wonderful. So... That wasn't officially part of the ad, but I am very excited that they sponsored this episode. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring, and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. 
That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code PLANS50 to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back to the episode with a mini review of the Full Focus Planner. The Full Focus Planner has been around for several years, and it actually was spun off by the company Michael Hyatt, who has had their own podcast for probably a decade now. The Full Focus Planner team actually has their own planner podcast of sorts known as the Focus on This podcast, which I really enjoy and listen to most weeks. It also comes out on Monday, so don't download it instead of Best Laid Plans, but you might want to check it out in addition. The premise of this planner is that it embeds your daily schedule and a lot of goal-setting material, and it's designed to be used to augment, not necessarily instead of, an electronic calendaring method. I feel like it's aimed a little bit for the executive slash entrepreneur type of job, but I can also see its versatility and how it might also work in academia, medicine, or really anything else you are tackling. So the planner is really just one size and it's close to a five size. I don't actually have a ruler with me on hand, but it looks very similar to a five. I am with all of my planners right now, so I can hold it up next to an old Hobonichi cover. Yep. Very, very similar to the A5 size. And it comes in both a ring option as well as a bound option. I have used both. The bound option lays fairly flat, not I would say as flat as say a Inconvolt or a Hobonichi, but definitely quite flat, at least in the old versions that I've used. I do, however, prefer their ring bound options because this planner has a really cool layout where I'm getting ahead of myself, but for the daily pages, you have parts of your week your weekday layout on one side, and then an entire notes page on the other side. And I love to use that right side for meeting notes and lists and other things. And there are times when I might just want that part to take up desk real estate rather than having the entire spread showing. So for me, I greatly prefer the spiral just because that allows me to fold it back on itself and use it that way, as well as using it as an open book. But I know a lot of others are diehard about using it as kind of a lay flat book. It comes in a number of colors. Now, I'm a little bit confused, 
And just, that's kind of funny because I'm actually a full focus affiliate, like ambassador. So I should know everything. But I am a little bit confused because they used to have a bold line that was designed by Megan Hyatt Miller, who is now the company's CEO, that was a little bit different inside that had white pages and just a little bit different in terms of fonts. It really had exactly the same content, but just a different look to it. And what I can't tell on their current website is which books they are selling now have this you know, Megan Hyatt Miller looking inside that was similar to the bold and which have the other style, which is uh, monochrome printing, just black printing and on cream colored paper because all of them are listed as saying cream paper. So it may be that they've transitioned all of them, but I think that the brighter colors actually have the bold interior. And I was actually sent a copy for review with this new launch and it has a leather bound cover in olive green, which was one of the bold colors. And it does have the bright white interior like that was of the Megan Hyatt Miller bold design. So I guess before you order, you may want to confirm either by asking them a question via the chat or um, just confirming of which of the interiors you get if that matters to you. I will tell you, I've actually used both. I like them both. I have no problem with either. But I know there are some people who really, really don't like cream colored paper. I'm not one of those people. The Hobonichi five years cream color and doesn't bother me. The weeks is cream color and doesn't bother me. And this full focus in the cream doesn't bother me either. I think it looks kind of professional and elegant. But if bright white matters to you and you want the Megan Hyatt Miller designed bold version, then you might want to make sure that's what you're getting when you're ordering from their website. The covers are either linen, which is like a cloth and looks really nice and professional, or leather, which is a little bit more expensive. And they added a lot more colors than they used to have. They mostly used to have neutrals like gray and an oatmeal color. And they recently added a beautiful kind of sea blue linen as well as a, I don't remember what they call it. It's like a rust colored linen that looks really elegant as well. And they've added other leather colors such as this bright lipstick red leather that looks fantastic. I actually got the olive green, but now that I see the red, I'm kind of like, oh, did I make a mistake? But there, there's, it comes in a number of color options for the cover. And I think they've been really thoughtful about not offering a ton of colors, but really picking nice ones for the ones that they do offer. For the sake of this review, I am going to flip through my the one that I have that has the cream colored old version. Again, the content is pretty much the same. I'm looking at one um, right next to the other and they really have all of the same sections. They just have slightly different fonts and kind of design of their pages. But again, two kind of different interior looks are available. So it's a three-month planner with an entire two-page spread for every single day, which is a lot. And you can order it either one at a time or via a subscription model where they will ship you a fresh planner every three months, which is kind of fun. When you open it up, there is a little bit of a quick start page as well as a contents page because they're really big on instructing you how to use this to its best abilities. And then you get an annual goals page. Now, I personally am planning to use a full focus for the last three months of 2021 heading into 2022. I'm not necessarily planning on using one for next year, but I think it'll be really fun for me to use this page to kind of decide what goals I want to wrap up for the calendar year. And I can see here that I'm, I'm looking at an older one that I had from middle of this year, kind of like Q2. And I had chosen 12 goals. And I got to say, I got to revisit this, but I think I've done pretty well with meeting some of these. So having them front and center and, you know, listed out, I think was helpful to me as I was creating them. Then there are 12 pages where you can put detailed descriptions of how you'd like to get your goals done. 
They can be habit goals, in which case you might use the what's called street tracker at the bottom of your page where you can check off each day. That would take a lot of discipline to remember to go to your goal detail page every day. But perhaps if there's one or two habit goals that are very important to you, you would put a little mark on the side of the page and then remember to check it off in that spot. So again, there are 12 of these pages and you get to check off whether it's an achievement goal or a habit goal, which I think that's really helpful because for me, I tend to make a lot of goals, but I think the important thing is to make sure you don't make too many habit goals for um, to start at the same time, because it's very unlikely you'll be able to keep track of a bunch of new behaviors that you haven't done before all at once. So I kind of like that they have you make that distinction. So on these goal detail pages, you can hear me turning the pages here, you get to mention what domain it's in, your motivations, your next step, and even define a reward. I did find myself writing on these pages a lot of time that this goal will be a reward in itself, (laughs) but that's okay. Maybe for some goals, you would want to identify a reward. Remember, just because there's a space in your planner doesn't force you to do anything. You can always leave that reward part blank. All right, so after the detail pages, you get three monthly calendar spreads. And as I'm revisiting this calendar, I see that I did not use these at all, but you certainly could. You can list your major projects. You could use them to track habits. They have cute little check boxes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight for each day at the bottom. So I guess you could check off up to eight habits if you were doing that. And it is undated, so you have to fill in the month yourself. That's something I never mind doing, but I know your mileage may vary on that. That is followed by a segment that they're always laughing about on the podcast that is underutilized by many of this planner's users called the rolling quarters. The rolling quarters has the three months listed across the top. Well, it's blank, so you write the months in. And then days one through 31 on the left, so you can basically have a slot for each day. Actually, Hobonishi has a very similar spread in the beginning of their planner, if you're familiar with that, where you can basically see six months and then you turn the page and you can see the other six months and there's like a, you know, one line for each day. You can use this to look ahead at travel. You can use this to look at your call schedule. You could use this to track habits if you wanted to. I've seen creative things on the Hobonichi side, but you could certainly do it on this where you turn it into a graph of the hours you slept or things like that. So definitely a very versatile spread. I really, really like it. I didn't use it. So I can see why they laugh about this not necessarily being highly used. But you know, I could see myself using this in the future. And it really is a nice idea to have that in there. Next, there is a whole two page spread like left and right for daily rituals where they want you to write out your ideal morning ritual, workday startup ritual, workday shutdown ritual and evening ritual, and you write down the activities as well as the allotted time. I think this can be really helpful as you're developing routines, especially to help you develop realistic routines because you do have to add up the total time that each of these elements of your ritual take. And if you find that you've identified 12 activities you'd like to get in the morning, well, you can quickly see that a four hour morning routine may not be practical and it might make you think twice about wanting that to be your ritual. So this is a really kind of useful page that just forces you to think about the things that we do automatically many days. Then that is followed by one of my favorite pages. I always fill this out when I use a full focus planner because I just think it's fun. That is the ideal week. And if you've seen Laura Vanderkam's time tracking spreadsheet, it looks a lot like that. So maybe they took the idea from her, who knows? But it goes in half hour blocks from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. And the weeks, uh, the days of the week are listed Monday through Sunday. And you can just fill in what you'd like an ideal week to look like. You can make it color coded so it resembles an Outlook calendar or do it however you'd like. But really, you know, I, I told you I always leave my rolling quarters page blank, but I always, always fill out the ideal week. In fact, I should make more of these because I just think it's such a fun 
exercise to think about how ideally I would want a week to look. That is then followed by a key projects list where you can put all the major projects that you're currently working towards plus due date. And then you have space for your weekly big three. That is one of the big goal setting elements in this planner. They're always forcing you to create a weekly big three and a daily big three. And I, as I've said, I find that very helpful because without a limit to my number of goals for the day, I can easily set more than is pr- are practical and then beat myself up for not finishing. But they want you to focus on three. And so that is what is here. For fun, I will share my big three that I put in the first page of this planner. I put move forward and understanding plan for next step in coaching project, which I guess I got done because that project is moving forward to intentionally start working on some, well, I'll leave it vague, some parenting related issues. I think I did. I don't remember exactly what I did, but okay. And then finally, I wrote move forward in the event planning for orientation, graduation and wellness meetup, which I did. So that's three examples of things that were really important to move the needle forward a number of goals that are not, you know, super overwhelming and things that I might not have given a lot of attention to had they not been identified as my big three. And then come the daily pages, which I think are really, really nicely laid out. I have to say the spacing of the lines on the blank pages are perfect for my handwriting. They're a little bit wider than the Hobonichi. That's one thing I will miss when I transition back to Hobonichi is these perfectly spaced lines. On the left side of the page, you have the day of the week. You have a place to write in the date. You have check boxes for all of your rituals. You have your daily big three, which you have to identify. You have a task list on the left with a, with a place that you could check them off. You could also, there's two columns to the left, so you could, I guess, put the time you wanted to do them if you wanted to time block that way. And then on the right, on the right side of the left-hand page, so that, again, that's like divided into two, and I will share an image on my show notes. I know I haven't been great about doing that, but I will have to capture this picture here. You can put what you'd like your calendar to look like for the day and maybe adjust it along the way. I was using the right-hand side to take notes in the meetings I was in, to track what I was reading and listening to, to write down meal planning type stuff. And so there's so much real estate in these layouts that you can get really, really detailed and granular about the different aspects of your day. And it won't look crowded at all. It actually looks very, very neat. You know, my complaint with some planners is there just aren't enough lines and I feel like it ends up looking messy. That is never an issue with full focus. I feel like it's not hard to put together a page that looks neat. I know that doesn't matter to everyone. It totally matters to me. So that helps. I usually just use gel pens and mild liners. The paper is fairly high quality. It's not super thick, but there really is not a lot of, you know, that's a tiny bit of ghosting, but it's mild. So when you start a page, even if you've written on the back, it still looks quite fresh. And there are some nice, nice quotes on each of the pages from different people. This one is from Ivan Turgenev, who I don't know who that is. Mary Smitch says, do one thing every day that scares you. And Mae Jameson writes, never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Oh, and finally, Oprah Winfrey on the next page. We can't become what we need to be by remaining where we are. So some great quotes from some powerful and important people. And then the planner repeats. So that's basically what you'll see in every week. At the end of each week, there is a two-page spread that allows you to plan your next week. And actually, it's really a four-page spread. It's like left, right, left, right. That includes your weekly preview, where you write down what worked in your week, what didn't. And then you do an overview of the week ahead that is coming. My one gripe is I don't love the layout of the Monday through Saturday that is part of this. It's horizontal. There are no lines. Come on. There are lines everywhere else. Why can't we have lines here? And... 
I don't know. I just would have preferred some kind of vertical week layout. And maybe for future editions, they could get creative and just you could put your planner on its side and they could have Monday through Friday kind of like vertically and then throw some grid lines on there for good measure. And then they would make me super, super happy for you to lay out your week. But it's still functional. I mean, you can still put the highlights of what's coming up ahead. And you could use that space to add your workouts or meal planning or things like that. It's not a ton of space, but it's something. And then finally, you identify your weekly big three. And you have a self care planner where you put your plans to sleep, eat, move, connect and relax for the week. I will admit sometimes those got a little old because I feel like I had the same things that I would put like go to bed. That would be my sleep plan um, by a certain time. But still, I didn't mind having the reminder because those are things that can follow up the map when we get busy. So that's pretty much it. If you have questions about the full focus planner, I'm happy to answer them. I did do a little tiny pen test here. Even though the paper is cream in this version, the colors still look nice and vibrant on this paper. So that's like a nice feature of it. And I have to say of the kind of three month goal setting type planners, this has been the one that I've gone back to again and again after trying different ones. So there must be things about it that I really like. I think it's the intentionality that's embedded. um, And plus the really, really functional layout of the pages. Plus, I really do enjoy the podcast that they put out and the thought that goes into that. So yeah, it's a great little product. I am an affiliate for their company. I'm not an affiliate for very many things, but I am for them. So I'll link to that on my blog. If you want to use my coupon, that gives me a little something. But of course, you certainly don't have to. You could just go to the site organically, just Google Michael Hyatt, full focus planner, and you will definitely find it. All right, that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed a few question and answers and little things that I wanted to bring to light, plus our wonderful episode sponsor, Honey Press, and then our mini review of the Full Focus Planner. Have a wonderful week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.